Illinois Democrats and Republicans have already started gearing up for the 2022 elections, but with legislative and congressional district maps still up in the air, no one other than the statewide candidates knows exactly what districts they'll be running in. We'll try to sort all that out on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock and I'm here today with our State House Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki. It's August in Illinois and that can only mean two things, hot weather and the Illinois State Fair. Here in Springfield this week, we saw a good deal of both. For political watchers, one of the exciting things about the fair, of course, is the annual Democrat Day and Republican Day rallies on the fairgrounds, along with state party meetings that precede them. They're events where the two parties showcase their candidates for the upcoming elections and start laying out their arguments before voters. But before we get into that, Jerry, we should talk about the late breaking news that came out Friday, and that has to do with the battle over redistricting. House and Senate leaders have scheduled a one-day special session for a kind of do-over on the new legislative maps that they passed earlier this year, and Governor J.B. Pritzker signed into law. Catch us up on this. What's going on? So the Republicans really kind of believe that Although the Democrats passed the initial maps before a key constitutional deadline, um, the Republicans believe that because they have to change them now, that deadline has passed. And what that means is because the Democrats got it done by deadline initially, they would have avoided a sort of commission, a bipartisan commission that if, if it deadlocked, would give Republicans a 50-50 shot at drawing the maps entirely, just entirely controlling the process. So, you know, because that deadline was looming over the whole thing, that's why the Democrats acted without any census data being available. But now that they've approved the maps, the census data has come out and it shows that the largest district uh, has a deviation of maybe 30% from the smallest district which in the House, which would uh, run afoul of a Supreme Court precedent that I think you might be able to show a bit more about. Yeah, well, there's the standard uh, that has been used at the U.S. Supreme Court known as one person, one vote, which means basically congressional and legislative districts have to be drawn so that they are as equal in population as possible so that everybody has roughly the same level of representation. Uh, when you're dealing with large congressional districts, uh, there's a pretty high standard because it's the larger the district is, uh, the closer you can get it to being exactly equal. Uh, at the state level, in state legislative districts, that's a little tougher so the Supreme Court has allowed some leeway, and they've basically said over the course of a number of decisions from many different states uh, that you can have d variances of 10% or less and still be constitutional. You can still be unconstitutional with less than 10% variation if the districts are drawn in some sort of discriminatory way, uh, but anything over 10% uh, 
is generally considered unconstitutional. And like you said, now that the official census numbers are out, uh, the districts that they drew based on census estimates that came out of uh, surveys from the Census Bureau, uh, they're off by quite a bit. So they have to come back and do a do-over. But the Republicans have this federal lawsuit up in Chicago in the Northern District of Illinois uh, where they're trying to get a judge to basically throw the maps out, not a judge, a three-judge panel, uh, to throw the maps out and invoke that part of the Illinois Constitution uh, that would require the forming of that bipartisan commission, which I've found kind of interesting. Turns out since 1970, when this Constitution was adopted, that bipartisan commission has been used most of the time. I think 2011, wasn't it? Wasn't that the only time they've actually uh, gotten maps drawn by the legislature in time? Yeah, I don't recall the exact year, but I think it was in Governor Quinn. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so the question is whether they can go back and do a do-over uh, to make some adjustments to the maps that they've passed, or is the court going to step in and say, no, you've missed the deadline? Uh, so anyway, right. uh, that has to do with the state legislative maps. Meanwhile, we don't have any congressional maps. Isn't that right? Yeah, and what the census has also showed us is that Illinois will lose the congressional seat, go from 18 to 17. Uh, right now, there's 13 Democrats, five Republicans in the uh, in the U.S. Congress from Illinois. Uh, I should say in the U.S. House, at least, from Illinois. And the thinking is that uh, if Democrats have the ability to draw those, they might be able to winnow the GOP down to three seats, uh, down from the five that the GOP currently has, and Democrats would uh, have... Then I think that equates to 14 seats. So um, the key being here, I think, is that what happens with Rodney Davis, who's a U.S. congressman in our neck of the woods, will largely determine the makeup of the GOP field for governor because Rodney is thinking of running for governor if the Democrats draw his seat out into a majorly blue district or something like that. And this actually has some national implications because Democrats currently hold a very slim majority in the U.S. House in Washington. And typically a new president's party loses seats in the first midterm election. So there's a very real chance that Republicans could make some gains and regain control of the House. But it looks like they're going to lose at least one district, maybe even more, depending on how the districts are drawn here in Illinois. Uh, so is this going to be getting some national attention, do you think? It certainly will, and I think that's part of why uh, when we were at the fair on Thursday, we saw not only Fire Pritzker chants, we heard Fire Pelosi quite a bit. You know, that's the... Uh, GOP congressmen, they're trying to rally their base and say, you know, whatever happens with, with these maps, uh, we have the manpower, the voter power to overcome it. Whether that's true will be up to the voters, of course, in the June primaries. But, you know, that's that's what the GOP is going for, that they need to fire Pelosi. 
Okay, and so that brings us back around to the state fair. Uh, even though we don't have congressional maps or final legislative maps yet, uh, we still had a lot of candidates and incumbent office holders from both parties. And this is where they not only showcase their talent for the upcoming election, but also start laying out the cases for election or re-election that they'll be taking to voters uh, over the course of the next year. You covered Democrats Day, which they call Governor's Day because Democrats are in the governor's office. And you were part of a gaggle of reporters who caught up with Pritzker after their big rally. Democrats, of course, held hold big majorities in the General Assembly. I'm sorry. Democrats, of course, have held big majorities in the General Assembly for some time now. Uh, let's listen to what Governor Pritzker had to say about the case that Democrats will be making next year. As far as I'm concerned, we've got a terrific record to run on Democrats up and down the ticket. So we've got a lot to uh, show people about why Democrats are better than Republicans at running the state. We're the ones who got credit upgrades from the state. The Republicans credit downgrades for years. We're the ones who've been fighting for a woman's right to choose. We're the ones who've been working to increase mental health funding to make sure that people have a place to go when they've been, uh, been subject to substance abuse. Um, there's so many things that we've got to do to build back up services that people lost as a result of Republicans. We're continuing to do that. I'm excited about the fact that it is less expensive to go tuition-wise, to go to college in Illinois now than it was when I took office. We've got more work to do there, too. So I hope everybody will know all across the state, Democrats stand for education, health care, making sure that people are safe across our state from this deadly pandemic. Are you 100% so, Jerry, it sounds like they are running on their record. They think they've made some major accomplishments over the last few years. Governor Prisker seems to be very proud of uh, his legislative record. Uh, what do you think? Is that uh, a good thing to be? Uh, is that a good thing to be running on? Well, you know, it depends on who you ask, which party voter you ask, because he was—he's been a very successful governor in terms of passing the uh, policy thing that he set out to as his campaign promises. Many of them have passed. One of the major outstanding ones being energy, you know, that that's probably not going to come up at the end of the month, according to some of the people I've spoken to, but it might. Um, and so he's, he's gotten these things done by working with the supermajority of Democrats he has in the general assembly. And, of course, one of the things that I noticed is that they're still comparing themselves to Rauner and, and of course, Trump, because the Rauner period was such an unmitigated disaster in terms of the budget impasse and nothing really getting done for two years and just the constant fighting even within the Republican Party in the effort to get things done. So they, I think, I think Rauner's a really low bar, and as long as they can keep his name in the in the conversation that whatever they've done will seem so very successful of that. And in terms of the policy goals, like I said, he has had some success, but you know, if you're a Republican voter, that's, that's not success. That's, that's bad news that Democrats are being able to get some of the things done that they said they would. Yeah. But isn't there a limit to how much, how long you can run against a guy who hasn't been in office for years? Uh, I remember when Republicans uh, were running 
on the national level uh, kept running against Bill Clinton year after year after year, even though he wasn't in office anymore. They still kept bringing up his name. Uh, sometimes yeah. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, for sure there's a limit. Um, and that's why, you know, they are touting the successes they've had too. But, uh, you know, there's also a limit for Mike Madigan's name. He's not in power. And you know as well as me, we, we heard that quite a bit when we were at Republican Day at the fair. So I think it's hard to sort of put broad, wide-ranging policy goals at, at the heart of discussion because there's, there is so much activation that you can do among base voters just by sort of throwing them the red meat that we saw uh, both days at the fair, kind of. Okay, and what about at the national level? Uh, what kind of message are they using? We have a U.S. Senate race that is up. Tammy Duckworth is up for re-election, as well as uh, what will be 17 congressional seats up for election. Uh, what kind of message are they taking at the national level? Yeah, I think the control of the U.S. House is a major one they're discussing. And then uh, the... Uh, is 50-50 as well. So that, I mean, that's no guarantee that Democrats are going to hold it. But in Illinois, it's probably less a part of the discussion because it, it certainly seems we saw Mark Curran, I think, was the challenger to uh, uh, Dick Durbin in the previous election, and he lost pretty handily. So right. I don't know who the GOP is going to be able to put up there that would challenge uh, Duckworth. Okay, and now over to the Republicans. Uh, before their big rally, they had a breakfast at a convention hotel in downtown Springfield. Uh, one of the people who spoke there was U.S. Congressman Darren LaHood from Peoria. Uh, he kind of summed up the GOP message pretty succinctly. Let's listen to what he had to say. And I'm going to just mention a couple things. We can talk about the economy. We can talk about national security. We can talk about all these things. But a few things that are important to us when we win back that majority um, that, that I'm going to stand for. First of all, we ought to ban critical race theory in all federal training in the federal government right now. <laughs> Secondly, we ought to be promoting and encouraging patriotic education K through 12 and teaching our kids to love America. We don't do enough of that in this country. Thirdly, we ought to hire 100,000 new police officers across this country to support law enforcement with crime out there. And lastly, we got to take on big tech. Think about this for a second right now. Today, the spokesman for the Taliban has a Twitter account and President Trump doesn't. It's absolutely ridiculous, but it goes to show you the hypocrisy of the left and what they continue to do to this country. So, Jerry, uh, I think we're hearing a lot of grievance politics, certainly a lot of things that seem to be uh, appealing to former President Trump's base, uh, especially the complaints about critical race theory and about beefing up law enforcement and hiring 100,000 new police. Uh, it should be noted that elsewhere in his speech, he also did talk about progress that Republicans have made in diversifying the party. Uh, so it, you know, in Illinois, it's kind of tricky. Uh, Republicans have a uphill battle just to maintain what they have. Uh, but at the national level, uh, even if they just maintain or even lose a seat at the national level, they could find themselves in the driver's seat, uh, come 2023. So anyway, that's what the, that's the Illinois Republicans message at the national level. 
Uh, back at the state level, of course, they're in a super minority in the General Assembly, and they're out of power in right now all of the statewide elected offices. Uh, who are we seeing emerging as candidates for governor and maybe some of the other offices? Yeah, the the interesting thing is, like I had alluded to earlier, the congressional maps, uh, Rodney Davis, if he decides to run for governor, a lot of people believe he'd be the front runner. Uh, right now, there's State Senator Darren Bailey, who we've we've seen be an antagonist to Pritzker, challenging his executive orders uh, with no success, really, during the pandemic. Um, and then there's Gary Rabine, who's a businessman from uh, the suburbs, and he's sort of made some outrageous claims that the vaccine was killing thousands of people, which has just been refuted, and he was misquoting a database and just really putting himself out there in that regard. And then there was Paul Schimpf who said, you know, he's a, he's a former uh, state Senator. He was a, a statewide candidate for attorney general in 2014. And he said, you know, we got to stop calling names. We got to seek a common ground type thing, but his, he's was in the state Senate and he would, he refused to override the governor um, in the vote that ended the impasse. So you know, Democrats are going to ding him about, you know, he would have allowed the impasse to go on from the two years. So uh, there's a sense in the Republican Party um, that maybe the leading candidate still hasn't declared yet. Um, and I think the fact that they didn't let any of those three candidates speak at the GOP day uh, event at the fair maybe says something to that effect. Uh, but uh, we, we're going to have to basically just sit and watch because the primary is in June this year. We're going to have to wait for some of the uh, other candidates to declare. And so you kind of pointed this out. There, do, there does seem to be some different approaches uh, to how Republicans are running. You have people like uh, Darren Bailey and Gary Rabin uh, who are ginning up the conservative base uh, trying to appeal to that uh, in order to increase those numbers. And then you have people like Paul Schimpf who seem to uh, believe that if you're going to run as a Republican in a heavily Democratic state, you need to run to the center, not to the right, and try and pull over some of those maybe disaffected Democratic voters, maybe some independent voters, uh, people who might not be that enthralled with the Democrats right now, uh, but who aren't yet ready to leave them. Yeah, so I'd say Paul Schimpf is, is definitely, a, he's a conservative guy. He's got a conservative voting record. He's just not uh, a type of flamethrower type firebrand guy. Uh, he's a more moderate in terms of personality, but he's a pretty conservative record. Okay, well, that gives us a little taste of what we should be seeing over the next year as the election cycle gets into gear. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki saying stay safe and thank you for listening.